I don't know if it's a generational thing or what, but when I was a kid, it seemed like quicksand was a real problem. Some of my favorite movies included scenes where the heroes were just beset by the stuff. You had that scene in The NeverEnding Story where the horse gets stuck in it. Truly devastating. Then you had lighter fare like Daffy Duck walking right into a quicksand swamp. This map says turn left at the swamp. I don't see any swamp. Perhaps a sign will help. Danger, quicksand, swamp. But this always seemed like a fantasy creation. I mean, sure, quicksand is real, but it seemed wholly avoidable. Just stay on solid ground. But as it turns out, the ground isn't as stable as I thought. As we speak, very, very gradually. If you were standing there, you wouldn't be able to notice it uh, as if you were on quicksand, uh, which you'd certainly notice. But uh, this is a, a phenomenon known as subsidence. That's Matt Simon. He's a senior staff writer at Wired, and he's based in San Francisco. He recently wrote about the East Coast slowly sinking. Like, as we're talking, is New York and D.C. sinking? This is the very gradual but steady sinking of the land over time due to a variety of factors, one of which is that sediments naturally settle. Buildings and other infrastructure can actually push down on the ground and cause it to sink. But you get the most dramatic subsidence with overextraction of aquifers. You remove too much groundwater from the ground and the land itself begins to sink on the order of a couple of millimeters a year, but that adds up over time. So it's not quicksand, but these minute changes occurring right below our feet could pose big threats to our infrastructure. Matt's recent reporting is based on a new study published in the scientific journal PNAS Nexus. Basically, the land is sinking as the water levels rise, which is a problem. JFK Airport has this problem with differential subsidence, where it's sinking at at different rates and potentially destabilizing that uh, rather important infrastructure, given that it is an airport and you want things to be stable. So how much is JFK sinking? Between 0.8 to 2.8 millimeters a year, depending on the spot. Now, I know that this doesn't sound like much, and it may not be especially problematic now, but it could have major implications very soon if something isn't done. We're not talking about disaster movie apocalypse stuff, but this could ruin our roads, our airports and dams, and it's happening everywhere. We've got nothing on other places around the world like Jakarta, Indonesia, which is having subsidence rate of up to a foot a year in places. A foot a year. Um, That's staggering. And they're actually having to think about moving their capital out of that city as it continues to sink. So um, not just a problem in the United States, not just a problem in the East Coast. Everywhere around the world, this is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Today on the show... What happens when the earth is sinking beneath your feet? I'm Shana Roth, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary. This is What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. 
So to start, let's be clear about the types of problems we're facing. If an airport runway or a road, for example, is sinking evenly, not a huge deal. We can plan for that. The problem is when parts of this critical infrastructure sink at different rates, when one part is getting lower faster than another. When you are thinking about an airport, obviously you have runways. Um, If it's sinking at different rates, you might develop potholes, these sorts of things. But then thinking about the roads going to and from an airport like JFK, stretching for miles and miles, this is probably going to be a particular problem in a place like Virginia Beach where you have stretches of roads sinking at different rates uh, that might lead to cracking. So we already have a rather famous infrastructure problem in the United States in the sense that we have just not kept it up over the, the past century or so. How did we figure this out? Geologists have known about this for for quite some time, but it has only been more recently that they've had actually the satellite tools needed to to monitor this on a large scale. So they're able to fire radar pulses at the ground and determine how elevation is changing on these uh, very small scales. So the recent studies have been coming out, especially in the United States, showing along the East Coast where exactly the subsidence is happening and and at what rates, but also now, well, what does that mean for all the infrastructure above ground that we have to worry about sinking into the earth? I feel like when you hear the term sinking and earth, it tends to elicit maybe some panic, but then you look at the numbers and it's, they're very small numbers. So how big of a problem is this? Yeah. So we're talking on the East coast it's usually around two millimeters a year. That's a, a almost a tenth of an inch. But you are seeing uh, much more accelerated rates of subsidence in certain places like Delaware, where you're getting five millimeters a year. At the same time, you are getting four millimeters a year of sea level rise. So just as the seas are coming up, the land itself is going down, and that's greatly exacerbating the hazards here. Talk us through the main factors that are causing the land to sink. You tend to get the most extreme subsidence when you are pulling too much groundwater out of uh, aquifers. So an aquifer is this kind of a band of porous rock or these sediments like gravel and sand. Rainwater trickles down and you develop over thousands of years this this body of water underground. And then we humans come along, and especially in these times of climate change, where in a lot of places we're running out of water above ground in in rivers and lakes, we are pumping too much water out of these aquifers. And when we do so, that land collapses. It's like an empty water bottle you crumple in your hand. This is a phenomenon that's happening all over the world, but it's hitting the coast the hardest. And along one coast in the U.S. in particular, the hyper-extraction of groundwater to make up for the increasingly dry weather is creating a problematic cycle. This has been most extreme uh, here in California in the San Joaquin Valley uh, over the past couple of decades where they have been over-extracting groundwater. They have had dozens of feet of subsidence in some places, uh, which fundamentally changes the the landscape, right? Is this caused by climate change or is this something that is just sort of a bad combination with climate change? Do we know what what that impact is, is right now? 
There's a, a, a definite link to climate change here. So as in particular, the American West dries out, we have obvious problems with the Colorado River just not providing enough water for, in particular, agriculture throughout American West, which supplies a good amount of the produce that we eat in the United States. And as that gets worse and worse, as the climate uh, gets gets hotter, we are going to have to rely more and more on these aquifers. Um, I published a, a story about a, a different study that found that they looked at 1,700 aquifers around the world, and 70% of them are in decline, and some of them in accelerating decline, meaning it's getting worse and worse over time. So we used to think of aquifers as this sort of reliable bank of water that we could tap into as needed. So if, if it didn't rain one year, okay, maybe we'll pull more from the aquifer. We have been massively overexploiting aquifers in the United States and beyond, um, well beyond what they can actually provide and not allowing them to recharge naturally, which is letting rainwater kind of trickle back down and fill them up again. So we are now like all hands on deck in a place like California. We need to remember that these aquifers are supposed to be backup. It's supposed to be like a rainy day fund, except it's more like a, a dry day fund that we should have them available to tap into. But if we overexploit them, we're going to run out of water, first of all, but also get the land to rapidly sink. After the break, how are governments handling this sinking feeling we have and how much can actually be done about it? I'm curious, this all sounds very dire to some extent. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking about land sinking because we're taking water out in part and that's water that we need to drink and to survive. But at the same time, we've got sea levels rising. Is there any area that's doing well in the West, particularly? You're not going to believe me when I say this, uh, but weirdly, Los Angeles. Uh, no Los kidding. Angeles, a rather <laughs> fraught relationship historically with water. <laughs> um, yeah. There have been whole books written about this uh, and movie, Chinatown, actually. Anyway, they um, have embarked on this really interesting plan to harvest more water locally going forward um, because of the shortage of water generally in the West and the city having um, imported so much of their water uh, historically for the past century. So what they are doing is deploying things like roadside gardens that absorb stormwater and allow it to soak down into the ground. They are also building out these giant basins that they're directing rainwater into to form a pool that's that's porous land and allows it to soak again down into the aquifer to recharge it. This goes against all the basic tenets of city planning. Forever and ever, the idea was to think of ways to get rid of water as soon as possible. But now city planners are actually trying to get cities to soak up water. They're called sponge cities. China is actually doing a lot of these really interesting cities where they are bucking against, you know, centuries worth of urban planning, which has always dictated that the way to build a city and manage water is to get rid of water as quickly as possible to keep things from flooding. 
put it into sewers, get it into the canals, get it away from us so it doesn't flood our buildings. That doesn't work anymore because we have climate change superpowering uh, these rainstorms. Just due to quirks of physics, the atmosphere holds more moisture as it gets warmer. So what Los Angeles is saying is that, okay, we need to more locally retain our water. In the American West in particular, the projection is that we're going to get fewer storms as the planet warms. But when we do get those storms, they're going to be bigger, again, because of those quirks of of atmospheric science. So we want to capture that water. Um, Los Angeles is doing interesting things here. Pittsburgh is doing some some great things with these kind of green spaces, these roadside gardens as well. Same as New York City. There's this increasing realization, not just in American cities, but around the world, that we need spongy cities um, to soak up rainwater instead of trying to get rid of it as quickly as possible. So the urban planners are on it, but Is this a problem that we can move fast enough to fix? The issue is that, you know, a city can evolve kind of slowly, right? Um, There's a lot of infrastructure there that is rather permanent. You have an additional issue in in American cities in particular of high real estate prices. So um, you you can't tear down a, a five-story apartment building that's providing valuable housing to people uh, and put a community garden there, right? So it's going to be about uh, finding opportunities in urban spaces to to put green spaces where we can. Oftentimes, that is going to be on top of buildings. Researchers in Colorado in particular are experimenting with what kinds of crops actually grow well on top of a building under those solar panels, um, shaded from too much sunlight um, being so exposed up there. So it's it's not going to be just about the the green spaces that we need on the ground to soak up that extra rainfall, but green spaces on tops of of buildings are going to lower temperature, produce food, produce energy. That's what I see the the city of the future looking like, um, and we need to do it fast because climate change is here. This might be a naive question, but combined with the fact that we are basically at our point of no return with respect to climate change, is this issue of sinking land a problem that we can solve or is our only option to just try and damage control it? Yes, there's actually a lot we can do. And it it is about um, putting water back in the ground. The big one that I'm a, a huge proponent of and that might strike people as somewhat gross, I can I can attest that it is not, is recycled wastewater. So uh, what a lot of cities are doing, Los Angeles is also doing a lot of this, is recycling wastewater from homes and businesses. Um, that's the stuff that's going down your drain. Uh, modern technology can turn that yucky water that you very much would not want to drink into something that is actually so pure that if you drank it on its own, it would kill you because it would leach the minerals out of your body. So what they do, they get that ultra pure water, add the minerals back in and turn it into water that is perfectly safe to drink. I have had a cup of it. It tastes like normal water. So instead of pulling more and more and more water out of these aquifers, we need to be able to recycle the water that we use. Uh, in addition to capturing more of what's falling out of the sky with spongier cities. So there are ways to to be smarter about water. Kind of weirdly, in a, in a warming world, you'd expect less water. We're actually getting more of it in places, and that means we need better management techniques. Matt Simon, 
Thanks for talking with me. And thank you for having me. Matt Simon is a senior staff writer at Wired. And that's it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell, Anna Phillips, and Patrick Fort. Our show is edited by Paige Osborne. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a very small request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. We'll be back Sunday with another episode. I'm Shayna Roth, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary. You can find me on Instagram and threads. I'm at Shayna R. Same for X, though to a much lesser extent. I've also got a sub stack. Thanks for listening. 